Again, guys, gals, non-binary pals. This is scary sharing. Scary sharing. <laughs> it's the place where we share our scares with each other. And you, we're so excited to be here. You are Jeremy, the original, the original. Sasquatch Slim Rusk. That's right. Drinking coffee because That's I'm right. not fully awake yet. Uh, <laughs> and I am looking at the beautiful, the flaming scream queen, Brandy Joe Planbeck. Yes, or the cream queen, whatever you want to call me. Cream, or the cream queen, or Blandy <laughs> Joe, or whatever you want to call I me. love lots of names. You know, I love giving people nicknames. Mm-hmm. I, I do. It's something I'm very fond of. I don't, mm-hmm. like, actively seek it out. It naturally happens, as a nickname should. Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Names yeah. just happen. Like, your wife I call Shrusk because Sarah mm-hmm. Hawkins Rusk. Sorry, I just, like, name-dropped her. But, yeah. um, but like, I like doing the S and the H, and then your last name, Shrusk. It's, yeah, it's perfect. It's natural. Yeah. Yeah, it, me and my buddies, we all, technically, we have, like, a billion names we call each other. It depends on the context, and that's what happens when you know people. They just generate. We're like Wu-Tang Clan members, but we have a million, <laughs> we have a million aliases that we all know for each other. So, I love it. If people don't know me super well, like I went by my middle name, Joe, for at least 30 years of my life. When I was a little kid, I decided like I didn't like the name Brandy. People made fun of me because it was a girl's name. And so I went by Joe for the longest time. And then something shifted in grad school and I started to embrace my first name again because I was comfortable with it. But it was weird to go by just Brandy. And it still is like when someone just calls me Brandy, I know they don't know me very well. Um, Mm -hmm. So Brandy Joe, but the majority the people I know call me BJP, and some people still call me Joe. I'm like, I don't care what you call me. I prefer not just Brandy, but um, but yeah. So BJP mm-hmm. is probably my primary nickname. What are what's your primary nickname? My primary nickname now. Uh, the big one is everyone in my family calls me Jay. Ah, so nobody says Jeremy. All of my family say Jay, and a couple of my like you know longest closest friends also do that. Do they call Bert B? Although that's short for Robert, nope. so nope. Robert, he's Bert. Uh, so Bert some, is the nickname. Yeah, he's got a few. Uh, a lot of us call him, some family call him Bert. Some of my family call him Bob. Uh, okay, and then I, I don't know Rob, Robbie. Um, yeah, I've got Jay. Uh, uh, my wife calls me Jer. Oh, I like that. Uh, which actually, now that I'm thinking about it, that's also what uh, uh, my buddy, friend of the podcast, Brett Wheat, he also calls me Jer often or jer bear oh uh, i've been is, called joe bear that's one from high school uh what else i got man a lot of variations of that <laughs> just can you do something with jay turn it yeah. into something papa jay that's another one bj is another one of mine <laughs> which i love i was gonna say my my uh my wife calls you joey oh yeah i do yep. get joey a lot Yep. So that's how I know. I was like, ah, so that's where you guys were when you knew each other. That's her name for you. So, Well, in addition, I know I mentioned last week some of the places people listen to our podcast from Michigan, Ohio, Arizona, Virginia, Florida, Texas, and New York. We have some new ones this past week. We have some Tennessee listeners, Georgia, North Carolina, and Massachusetts. So hello. 
Awesome. Welcome. I was, I was just telling Sarah the other day, too. I was like, uh, BJP's going crazy with those analytics. Now that he's got it, he loves it. <laughs> I do love it. It's fun. Uh, yeah, I think it's fun. When you send me info, you're like, guess where people are listening to us? Oh, my God. I do. It's a fun game. It's and I'm learning game. some Excel tricks um, at my Ooh. job at Ford. There's, we're doing like Excel because we have one person, Sam, on our team. She is brilliant with Excel. So she's teaching all of us. She's doing like biweekly like lessons. So I'm oh, learning cool. a lot. And it's fun to get like download <laughs> these analytic spreadsheets and like do some cool sorting and conditional formatting. Uh, I just love that I get some conditional <laughs> formatting. It's very cool. <laughs> I also have to give, give another shout out because we announced on our last episode, which as of today dropped one day ago. But we we do have merch now, which you can get through our link tree, which is on our Instagram. Uh, mm -hmm. But we have some merch through Cafe Press. Again, it's not fancy because I'm not like a website designer, but there's a plethora of things you can get. And we have our first sale. And that is my dear friend Mandy, who is an actress, an amazing person. I love her so much. She's very important in my life. And she bought our very first item. It is one of like the baseball tees. And I'm so excited i can't wait to see her wearing it so that mandy thank you. awesome mandy um not to put her on the spot but i worked on a thing that she was in uh hmm. with my wife as well so hopefully it actually comes out and sees the light of day because we could talk about it on here because it's adjacent to our interests um but i i was doing some uh you know what do they call that officially pa production assistant stuff Helping out, uh, but I it was having a little convo with Mandy, and she said, "I like your guys' podcast. It's a lot of fun." So, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, and you know, I see her occasionally, and she, I don't know that we've talked much about the podcast. So, I was when I saw that, I was actually a little surprised. I was like, "Oh, she she must be listening." Yeah, I knew she was a listener because she told me, and I was like, "That's great. Thanks." For I know she was a part of that out. most recent horror convention, um, which I can't mm -hmm. remember. Motor City Legacy, I think, is the name of it, because yeah. she is in a new film called "If I Can't Have You," which is sort of like um, a thriller. Looks like it's like a thriller, but I think it's sort of like a play on like certain lifetime uh, tropes <laughs> like i <laughs> think it's like a like... stalker like stalker yeah. trope so i think it's somewhat adjacent and i really want to check it out yeah. she's on the poster she looks hilarious in it and yeah yeah and I, I i want to check it out i know it's on video on demand platforms now so if anyone yeah. has watched it let us know yeah and let us know check it out if i can't have you i don't want nobody baby I watched the trailer and I was like, yeah, it reminds me of the, uh, looks like they're taking off of the lifetime, like stalker, like my doctor tried to kill me, like sort of uh, uh, fun, ridiculous. Thrillers. Yeah. And it looks like there's a guy in it who I'm, the trailer's playing right now behind me. <laughs> I'm like looking at it. I just pulled up uh -huh. her page and there's a guy in it who it looks like that's the part I would play. <laughs> He's wearing like a <laughs> rainbow bright shirt and awesome. like a little band, not a bandana, but like a sweatband thing. So, Mandy, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Yep. Thanks for buying stuff and yes. listening. Yes. And yesterday I did an Instagram post because did you hear what Wordle was? I saw your wife thumbsed up the, the post. Did you see my no. post that I put I up? I saw. I was like, I wonder what I'm so I don't do Wordle, so I don't even know what's going on there. <laughs> well, I so. love it. But the word was scare. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, I immediately was like, I must do an Instagram post. So I just said, like, have you done your wordle? And I put like a ghost winking. <laughs> yeah, I saw that and I was like, the word must be scare or scaring or horror or something, you know, just blatantly related to us. Yeah. So, so I thought that was fun. I enjoyed that. That was awesome. really cool. So, Jeremy, we have one terragram this week. Do you know who it's from? I bet it's from Teacher Drew. You would bet correct. He is our most staunch is that the word i want i don't know most... I, I think so but it sounds so harsh it sounds harsh right. there our most frequent correspondent i was trying yes. to think of a word that sounded more official than frequent but yes yeah. i do believe so so teacher drew writes hey guys so much excitement on your last episode you've got merch ordering mine today in movie news i watched maniac cop and understand the appeal i will be catching up with the rest thank you I was wondering, any thoughts on the recent release of Morbius? I plan on seeing it this weekend. To your question, what type of horror movie would you like to be in? I would like to be in a Final Destination or Urban Legend type film. Of course, I would be the all-knowing professor that the main characters visit to find out how to contend with whatever <laughs> is hunting, haunting them. Fun fact slash ironic fact, though I have never been in a movie, my sister, who only loves movies, won... 100th percent as much as I do, was an extra. She had a costume, was paid $80 a day, ate lots of great food, and even got to meet Linda Hamilton and Pierce Brosnan. Oh, the injustice of it all. Till next time, stay healthy, stay happy, stay you, Teacher Drew and Phoenix. And you know what, Teacher Drew? That's right. Stay healthy, stay happy, stay you. I love it. Uh, that's fantastic. Thank that you, is teacher. amazing. I want to know the name of the movie. I probably could look it up on IMDb. Um, yeah. So, Morbius. A, as much as my so-called life is one of my all-time favorite TV shows, and Jared Leto played Jordan Catalano, who was the ultimate dream boat of my childhood, I find him to be a trash person, um, mainly based off the stories I heard about Suicide Squad. I He sounds horrible and gross. And so I really have very little respect for him on top of the fact that it is a, a somewhat superhero movie, albeit a superhero horror film. And I'm very, you know, I've talked about it numerous times. I, I, I have an aversion. Yeah, you have an aversion to superhero movies? An allergy. Movies? I know there's a few of them, though, that you watch it and you're like, oh, wow, that was really good. And I was 100%. like, 100%. Okay, well, gotta pick and choose the heroes that you're exposed to. That's true. Because, like, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Wonder mm -hmm. Woman, there are very specific ones. And I tried to get into WandaVision, but not having the history with yeah. whatever, the Justice League or whatever the fuck. Avengers. But the Avengers. I just, ultimately, it was lost on me. Yeah. Uh, but that I one like, I wanted to watch. I feel like, like you you might like a, some of those. Like, I'm I'm not... I'm not quite sure yet. I haven't figured out your superhero, like what's going to click with you, but I'm sure there's a few of the Marvels that you would enjoy, but I I think most of them would be not for you. Cause they I, I think I could enjoy that. I just, yeah, I just, I would much rather watch something else, mm -hmm. but I feel like I, I, if there were, <clears throat> and I hope there never is, I'm knocking on wood, another pandemic of sorts where, I couldn't work or I was homebound for a month and not working. Mm -hmm. I feel like I would be like, okay, let's watch the entire, entire Marvel universe films. Like, I think it sounds like a fun task. And once you get into it, I bet you could, I just, I just don't want to yeah. right now. Not, not yet. Maybe uh, not close me, to it. So what about for, you? <laughs> for me and Morbius is one, I'm just kind of, I'm sick of that 
fucking trailer, man. I feel oh, like I've seen God. the trailer a million times. I know it's become a joke on the internet. The fact that that trailer Has plays. It? Yeah, it did for a minute. People were just like, and the Morbius trailer is still playing in front of movies like 20 <laughs> years later or whatever. So that's what it feels like. But okay. Like I am a superhero guy. Uh, and then even specifically, like I, like I've been reading comics since I was a kid. I was into like Batman, Superman, and Spider-Man, like your big classics. Like those okay. are who I read growing up. So yeah, I'm down with Spider-Man, the Spider-Man universe, because that's where Morbius is from, in case you didn't know. Uh, he's part of Spider-Man's like rogues gallery, which is another thing like behind Batman, who has like the greatest cast of villains and supporting characters and comics. I think Spider-Man is like in second place for that because he's got so many cool, crazy, flashy uh villains and supporting characters and so they're trying to make movies of these guys and i love morbius the living vampire the character from the comics you know cool character of course i loved the monster type guys and everything but yeah this movie isn't really doing it for me yeah years back i would have been more excited for like jared leto leading things because i feel like like you if you went back into the past, like Requiem for a Dream and stuff like that. I was like, wow, yes. what a what a talented actor. Uh, and then he got bigger and you came to know more about him. And I'm just kind of sick of the whole method acting, stupid stories you hear about him that are like, okay, I guess you're trying to outdo all the rumors about Daniel Day-Lewis and become like ultimate, like I become the characters, but it's like such a, I don't know. In this day and age, it's more... You look behind the curtain, you, the more you're like, that's just bullshit to <laughs> like try and seem more serious. What's he going to do? Actually become a vampire so I can yeah. play the role better? You know, like, calm down, dude. Yeah, I think there's something to be said. I feel like people use it to get away with trying, getting away with bad behavior mm -hmm. than anything else, as opposed to like, you know, if they're doing something, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'm saying like, oh, if you're playing someone who's doing nice things that you should, that you can be method there, but you can't be method with like the darker side. But it just seems to happen more with people playing dark characters. They use it as an excuse to get all like, yeah, to be a dick to yeah. everyone around them all the time and be like, I was just in character. Leave me alone. I'm going deep in character. So. And haven't you seen 8mm? Like, you try to get into the dark stuff and you're fucked. Or Rush? Yeah. Don't you remember Rush with Jennifer Jason Lee? You can't be an undercover cop and do drugs. You're just going to get addicted. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so... At the end of the day, though, Morbius just, uh, I mean, there's the troubled production. Reviews were, like, not good for it. So but was, you're going to see it? Maybe eventually. I would okay. watch it if it was on, like, cable <laughs> or something, or when it pops up on streaming, because I'm sure it will in a couple months. I might check it out to see if I like it at all. But, uh, but it could be a situation. I don't know. I see it's getting, like, critics freaking hate it. Uh, but audiences are a lot more favorable towards it. What, you know, you're seeing on the websites out there. Um, so I'm wondering if it's going to be kind of like the Venom movie with Tom Hardy mm -hmm. uh, that came out a few years ago where like critics were like, this is garbage. And I saw it and I was like, this is kind of fun, though. So, you know, it's not great, but it's I don't think it's as bad as critics are saying. So I don't know. I feel like critics, too, have fallen into a kind of at large or like if it's not a Marvel movie made by their specific production company with their specific style. They don't know how to take like superhero movies uh, on their own merits anymore because we've kind of become used to a uh, homogenized way of making them. Yeah.
That's true. There's my rant, because that's my only thing with the Marvel. The MCU itself is all of those movies. As you start trying to watch all the like dozen or more or whatever that are out now, you're like, they're all very similar. And I forget what happened in what movie and yeah. <laughs> differentiating them sometimes is hard. So, well, I can totally see Teacher Drew as that teacher character, which I mean, <laughs> very fitting for him. But like, I when he says that, I immediately think of Robert England in Urban Legend and oh, how yeah. he's like the professor, and you're supposed to sort of think it's him. Yeah. And, uh, Thank you, Teacher Drew, because you jogged my memory about another uh, thing or type of horror movie I'd want to be in that I don't think I said uh, when we were talking about this, which was a Texas Chainsaw movie. Mm. Uh, And those often have a supporting like family member, you know, of Leatherfaces who's like extra crazy, but just like a side character. Like the Hitchhiker? Yeah. Kind of like the Hitchhiker in the original or Chop Top in two. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was Fredo in uh, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Part 3. You know, it just keeps up. McConaughey, that was his character in uh, four. I I would want to be that guy. So I could just be totally nuts and not the main villain, but supporting the uh, Leatherface. And then, you know, I'd get killed by one of the survivors running away. Well, speaking of Leatherface and support, I'm doing the show in Ann Arbor, The Actors, if you're in the area. It's with Penny Seats Theater. And on the road, we my, I think I mentioned my husband and I have been listening to podcasts. And now my husband is done because he directs the show. So he's done and I'm just doing the trek by myself. So I'm like, well, what am I going to listen to? Like, I used to listen to audiobooks all the time going mm-hmm. to and fro work. But now... I am, you know, finally again doing road trips because I'm working from home with Ford. So I was like, well, I'm going to do final girl support group. So I started that, which is read by Adrian King, which is so fun. But I don't know if you're aware of this, but like of the final girls who are in the support group in the book, they're all based on. Oh, characters so one is named marilyn and she's very much based on marilyn burns and Uh like because like they talk about like how she would never have a leather purse because she never let leather touch her skin like (laughs) so there's her there's heather who is based on heather langenkamp there's someone named danny who's based on like laurie strode but i think sort of using danielle harris's name but like the character is very laurie strode like you know I don't I don't know that they've gotten like butch but like short gray hair mm-hmm. and then there is another one named Julie whose last name is Campbell which is sort of based on Sydney Prescott which is Nev Campbell yes. and then the, there's Adrian who is based on Adrian King from Friday the 13th Alice um and then there is Lynette who is based on I guess the final girl from Silent Night Deadly Night Okay. Because they talk about it like that. Because each of their killers isn't like specifically like Jason Voorhees, Leatherface, but they're all similar. Like Heather Langenkamp has like problems with sleep and like they haven't gotten into that backstory yet, but like they talk about the killer being like the dream killer or something. So they're yeah. all very much in the worlds of the movies, just like in the book, they're like the real life incidents that these movies are like based off of. So that's a lot of fun and I'm enjoying it so far. It's fun to hear Adrian King read it, but at the same time, I don't know that I love her as a narrator. Yeah. Storyteller. It feels a little actory sometimes. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Voice, especially narration doing like an audio book that sort of voiceover is a very specific 
talent and I feel like either you're super good at it or uh, not as great. Yeah, I mean, I really wish it was like Jamie Lee Curtis. That would be like the shit. Yes. <laughs> I would be all into that. The other thing we listened to this past week was like a little five-parter podcast called Very Scary People, The Amityville Murders, mm. hosted by Donnie Wahlberg of oh, on the Block fame. He's got a TV series. Very oh, Scary he? People is also oh. a TV series. Okay, because yeah, I asked Joe, are there other very scary people, Jeffrey Dahmer or whatever? And he's like, no, this is the only one. So that makes sense that it's a TV show. Yeah, it's a TV show. And like every episode is a profile on a different serial killer or, okay. you know, maniac or whatever dark figure from history. And it was fine. It was about the DeFeo murders. Yeah. But like, it's Which all is a crazy up. story. It is. But it's like set up as you're going through like, oh, could it have been the mob and this and that? And it's like, we know who it was. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't we know, know who why it we was. have a, a whole episode on could it be the mob when we know that it's fucking Ronnie. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff I've heard, too, is like the stories that are out there are just that are stories like the idea that they're like, and nobody heard the gunshots. So he right. must have been like muffled by ghosts. And everyone's like, there's no way to prove that. That's just, you know, hearsay. That's just speculation. Yeah. Like they don't know that because uh, I'm sure gunshots did go off. I'm sure like it just happened like a murder happens. But people have attributed crazy stories after the fact. And because of the Amityville story that retroactively got linked to that. So, and it, I mean, there was some interesting things in it, but like a five parter, not necessarily. I could have done with like one long episode about sure. the Amityville murders, but yeah. it was nice that they didn't get into like the hauntings at all. Like it wasn't any of that. It was literally Good. just sort of based on the murders. And while some of that mob stuff was interesting and that sort of, to me holds most true in regards to the gunshot. If people were concerned with the family being involved with the mob that if they heard the gunshots they may not have necessarily said anything because this guy like was a creep the dad and yeah. maybe it was like well let's not get involved but exactly. like six gunshots or set like some of them got shot like twice so like there were a lot of gunshots yeah and but, from what I understand, too, that's like a theory behind, you know, the the son who committed the murders. Like he knew that his dad had unsavory connections. And mm -hmm. so he thought, well, if I just say the mob did this, people would buy that because <laughs> yeah. they know they know he has connections to unsavory criminal types. So but I would love I mean, I'm probably gonna be listening to the final girl support group this whole time. And but if there are other good, fun, scary podcasts, especially like, you know, six, eight parters, like those are the most fun to me. I'm really into those right now, like a serial podcast. I don't know if that's what they're called, but I think so. Yeah. Um, so please love your recommendations like Teacher Drew, write us scaring a sharing at gmail.com or like Teacher Drew does slide into our DMs on Instagram. Scaring a sharing is where you can find us. And uh, since we talk about him so much, I feel like I'm just going to have to go up to Barnes and Noble and be like, give me all the Grady Hendrix. I'm just going <laughs> to I need to finally read all these books. So, And OK, one more thing, actually, two more things about Robert England. One, I don't understand the new Nightmare poster. Like I recently looked at it, like the one with like his eyes. Like, and I was yeah. talking to a friend of the podcast, Chris, about it. And he's like, well, it's like, like, he's like staring up at you from like up above. But like, that doesn't work for me because it's like he has a horn, like a rounded horn is what the poster looks like. And I don't understand what the fuck is happening in that poster. I get the eyes. I don't get the weird rounded horn. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, I think that's just his brow. But like Chris tried to recreate it. He's like, it's like this. That one, right? Yeah, 
But what do yeah. you mean it's his brow? It's like coming out over his eyes. It's like a round horn. Yeah, I think he, they just made the brow really severe looking. I don't his buy eyebrow it. I think over it's, his eyes. But it it's based, I thought it was based on the, uh, at the end when he goes all monstrous. Maybe. I, extra, I do need Well, extra monstrance, because at the end of the movie, he takes on this, like, Satan-looking, like, look towards the end of the movie where he gets scarier looking, so. I'll need to rewatch it, but I was looking at that poster recently, and I'm like, I don't get it. What it's, the fuck is that bump? It's just creepy. <laughs> it's just for the sake of being creepy. So my other Robert England thing is that I just saw a headline that he is reteaming with the director of Phantom of the Opera, Named White oh. Little, who also directed Halloween 4, to yep. do a movie called Natty Knox, which I don't like the name of that, but they think it falls inside the horror genre so much. Um, Bill Mosley's going to be in it, and I think Daniel oh, Harris as well. Whoa, okay. It's a bunch of, you know, big time celebrities for us horror people, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But re and I and he's Robert England's and being Stranger Things, the new season, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they just keep, uh, Picking these great iconic uh, supporting actors from, you know, iconic 80s horror and science fiction. They keep popping up in there, which is fantastic. But So fantastic. The uh, fa yeah. fan service. They, we yeah. love it. Yeah, I'm excited for Stranger Things. Come out already. Oh, um, my God, I know. What was I going to say? Oh, talking about new movies. I remember I said this last time that I couldn't remember if I've just conjured this or if it's an actual thing. And now I'm seeing it all over Facebook. People have even sent it to me is that Willem Dafoe is supposed to be attached to Robert Eggers's Nosferatu as the vampire. I so. saw that yesterday as well. So that's very exciting. Cause yes, you have talked about it. I think you conjured I, it into reality. I manifested it. I made it happen. Which is so perfect. Yes, it's it's gotta be. If it's not him, that's a huge loss. But And at the same time, I'm like, this movie needs to finally happen because I know Robert Eggers has been talking about it for years. So just film it already. And I'm sure he's very busy, but like, let's just like combine all the actors from all these movies and let's fucking get Robert Patterson in, Patterson in there to take over for Harry Styles. Yeah, yeah, that would be, that would work. Yeah. 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 I, uh, so during Twilight, I was like, ugh, this guy, like, I don't, he's not my Edward. He's not like, I don't find him super hot or anything, but he was so good in the lighthouse. He is a very good actor. That's so uh, that brought I've, me some into some, I, I appreciate him more after that film. Yeah. He, he has impressed me post Twilight with just like, okay, he really wants to much like, you know, Daniel Radcliffe has done mm -hmm. post Harry Potter where he's, I'm differentiating myself. I'm more versatile than just this. So like, look what I can do. And, you know, he's done the lighthouse. He's done those. Uh, uh, it was the guy that did that movie uh, on or guys. I think, I think it was brothers that did uncut gems, their first movie. Uh, Good times as Robert Pattinson in it. Um, and he's a great Batman in that new Batman. I was sure. uh, uh, very pleasantly surprised by his because he seemed like a you know an oddball choice uh but then again so was michael keaton back in the day and he nailed it as well so feel like you get those get those quirky weird actors and they can do something fun with the batman character so yeah so i talked about what i've been listening to but have you watched anything this past week nothing nothing of note i'd say okay yeah you Nope, just listen to the podcast and now Final Girl Support Group. So I'll let you know how that ventures. I, I mean, like most audiobooks, it 
I'm not usually into them right at the start. It does take a little getting into, just like with a book, mm -hmm. you know, getting familiar with who's reading it and with the story. And it's different when you're listening to it in regards to, uh, like with a book, you can sort of like thumb back and be like, what was that that they said? And in an audiobook, that's a little more difficult to do. So, but yeah, mm -hmm. I'm enjoying it so far, just not loving it. So hopefully it will grow. Hopefully on it'll pick up. And hopefully I'll like it more than Final Girl, which is the another book that came out a few years ago. And I did listen to that audiobook and I did not like that. Mm. So Riley, someone is the author for that, I think. Oh well. Shall we get into our shares? Yeah, let's share these scares. All right. Well, <laughs> I am first. And You're first. I'm going to front of the podcast Tess Hannah's birthday today. So this is an honor of her, even though her birthday <gasps> was earlier this week. Mm -hmm. So I'm giving you The Conjuring 2. <gasps> cool. Because I right. cannot believe you have not seen it. I, you know what? Like, I've been meaning to catch up on those. And then I knew early in the creation of this podcast, we talked about how I'd only seen the first one. So you're like, I'm putting them on the list. So I've just held off. You say since. them, and I will not put three on the list because unlike Tess, okay. I thought it was the worst movie ever. <laughs> so uh, you're like, put two on the list. So I was like, okay, I'll hold off. I just won't watch it, even though I've wanted to. Um, and I know I've seen the first Conjuring. It scared the crap out of me the first time I saw it, uh, which had it been a long time since a movie freaked me out like that. A well done. That's one that gets me that actually scares me is a well done haunted house movie. Yes. Uh, that freaks me out really bad. Uh, so I know it's just more adventures of the Warrens. It's just based on their, you know, their books. That but you're wrote. not familiar with the case that it's based on. I probably am. Cause I know okay. like lots you know, of those. I know lots of them. Uh, and the Warrens kind of like came in and out of like existing stories. Like, I feel like one of these is based on the Enfield poltergeist. Uh, maybe it's this one. Uh, so I know they came in and out of a lot of famous hauntings and, you know, there's other ghosts. W what's fun is fights between ghost hunters. Cause I know there's other like famous investigators that are like the Warrens made a bunch of shit up and they weren't like serious investigators or researchers, blah, blah, blah. Do you think we're going to see a crossover like the Warrens versus. I want the Warrens normal activity. Yeah. I want the Warrens versus ghostbusters <laughs> to happen. Like I think that would be fun. Oh my God. Make it happen. But uh, yeah, uh, I know it's based on some of their cases. I know the nun is from this movie, who I know is that's a like a fantastic character. Like I don't know anything about her point in the plot whatsoever, and I know she got a spinoff movie, uh, but I just know she's scary as fuck looking. So I can't wait to uh, check that out. And you've not seen any of the other conjuring, like literally just the Conjuring, no Annabelle's. Nothing. I've seen Conjuring one, and I've seen Annabelle one and two. Because oh, okay. there's three Creation. Annabelles, right? Yeah. That's okay. the second one. Yeah. Which I thought was better than the first one. Oh, yes. It's the actually first, pretty good. The first Annabelle was kind of lame by the end of it. Because it was just it was just pretty cliche. Oof, so That's bad. What I, yeah. I was just like, oh, so I've seen this movie a million times before uh, <laughs> in other better versions. Um, but the second one I thought was kind of cool. Uh, but those are what I've seen of the Conjuring universe. Not seen Conjuring 2 or 3. I've not seen The Nun. Uh, I've not seen the third Annabelle, so. Okay, yeah, and you don't. The I've come to realize that the number three is only good in Nightmare on Elm Street because yeah. in the Conjuring universe, no. Okay, <laughs> but anyway, I, I know what it's about. It's about the war and Great. some more. Probably, they probably interweaved like they did with the first one. They probably took one, two, three different cases and kind of combined them into one narrative. So. Okay, 
All right, awesome. Cool. Uh, and I'm going to give you uh, the common thread here is they start with the letter C. Oh. Uh, I'm going to get to Coraline this time oh, around. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, so what do you know? So, I mean, I know that there's, uh, like, Coraline, I believe, is the little girl, the main focus of the film. I know the animation style. I don't know if she is like a doll or if that's just how... Like, I think they have, like, buttons for eyes. I know she has, like, a really creepy mom figure. I don't know if it is her mom or, like, a stepmom. But I think it's sort of a story about this girl who has, like, a rough family life in some way and finds this alternate universe. That's, like, in my mind what it's about. Like, I feel like the poster, she's, like, crawling through something. So I feel like it's sort of like a dark Alice in Wonderlandy sort of thing. Like that she finds an alternate world, which of course also makes me think of Pan's Labyrinth. So a less dark Pan's Labyrinth, but a more dark Alice in Wonderland. There you go. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. But I am so excited. I hope I like it more than The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Just hoping. We'll see. Uh, and I've not seen this since like it came out, which is like, you know, over 10 years ago. Closer oh, to like 15 years ago. Awesome. So it's been a minute. So it'll be good to revisit this and see how I feel about it. So, oh my God, I'm so excited. Yeah. So this will be, this nice. seems like a fun episode. Like, these yeah, seem it like, does. These seem like fun movies. So, yeah, like movies we both should have seen. Yes. Should have seen. Uh, and yeah, let's just do like it. Veronica. Yeah, just like Veronica. <laughs> Everyone needs to go out and watch Veronica right now. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go watch them. Cool. See you in a second. Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. We're back. Yeah, we're going to talk about some movies, yo. That's what happens. I guess if this is your first time, this is the format. I watch one for the first time. You watch one for the first time. That's what we do here. We watch it. There's a quick pause. Although if you're joining early enough in listening to us, it's like we've done several in a row that were just the one movie I noticed. And it's like, oh, that was a lot altogether. Usually we don't have that many crammed together like that. But it, it is what it depends. is. It just depends, guys. Yeah. Gals. And everybody else. And everybody else. So first up is The Conjuring 2, which I assigned to you because you have never seen it. Correct. And directed by James Wan from 2016. The tagline is, The next true story from the case files of Ed and Lorraine Warren. And the summary from Letterboxd is, Lorraine and Ed Warren travel to North London to help a single mother raising four children alone in a house plagued by malicious spirits. That's it. Take it away. Okay. So I think I said Enfield Pol Poltergeist in the first half, you right? You did. And so you I knew were it. right. I nailed it. I knew the case this one was about. I, well, first, in general, I enjoyed this. Uh, I haven't seen the first Conjuring in a while. So I wonder if I, but I remember when I saw it, I thought it was incredible. So I wonder if I still have the same reaction, but uh, I felt this was a worthy predecessor. I, I uh, felt like, 
I had the same reactions I did to the first one watching this one, which is it's a well-crafted, you know, funhouse movie, as they call them. Tons of jump scares, lots of false jumps where you're waiting for something to happen. And I'm like, oh, James Wan, you genius. You <laughs> make me real anxious that something horrifying is about to happen, but nothing happens. And then it cuts to another scene and you're like, ah, so the anxiety watching these is just through the roof. And again, like Patrick Wilson and there was a scene in this. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me let me back up. But yeah, in general, I did enjoy this. Yeah, I liked watching it again. I feel similarly to part one in that I think the finale is not great. I don't love how either one of them, like the climax, I think is just yeah. feels cheap and typical in both of them. Mm -hmm. The first one feels like an exorcist ripoff. And then this yep. one just, it, I just don't like, I mean, I think the nun is creepy with that creepy mouth and everything, but just that whole ending in the bedroom, I just find not very captivating and just sort of, like I said, just typical and boring. My problems with these climaxes too is, uh, Oh, those climaxes. Um, <laughs> they, you don't want an unfulfilling climax. Uh, they, they feel too Hollywood, too superhero movie, you know, like over the top. There's yeah. just too much going on for something that's based on real cases, which did not end dramatically. Like most of these, when you read about the real investigations, they just kind of stopped. Like with the case of the Enfield Poltergeist, like I don't think there was a dramatic... I don't seem to recall a dramatic moment where like one of the kids was going to throw herself out a window. Sorry guys, spoilers. It, it just kind of stopped. People stopped investigating the activity they claim stopped happening and people just moved on. So I feel like that's filmmakers being like, we have to have some sort of explosive finale to this thing. It can't just kind of fizzle out or move on to other stuff. So. Did you watch any of the videos, like how in the movie they're like filming the girls at one point, like those videos actually existed. Have you yeah. watched them before? Yeah. I've seen um, some documentaries and some of the real photos. It a hundred percent feels like those kids are just fucking with them. Uh, that's pretty much the consensus. When you read about this case, like most skeptical minds were like, this was a giant prank played by these siblings on everybody. Um, but you know, there's some, it doesn't out there. even seem like they're trying to like be convincing though. Like they're kind of laughing and smiling and it just feels like they're kids that yeah, being know kids. a hundred percent. And yeah. like that voice, I don't think comes across, like it is not like in the movie where it sounds like it's coming out of a man's voice. Like, yeah, right. no, it's just, it's just a weird, creepy little voice. Like this. Yeah, exactly. The creepy recordings, but you know, authentic, I don't know. I don't think so. And I think the most baffling thing about this movie and like the good baffling way is that that little girl who played Janet is American. Whoa. Like, I think her accent is so good. Like, I guess they did this giant search to find her and she's wow. like an American. And I think wow. she sounds so authentic. I didn't know until I was reading the IMDb trivia. Yeah, that, that was the case. I thought those were all, you know, English people. And she is in Malignant. I think she plays like the younger version of the mom you know the oh. mom that works in like the, yeah. the museum underground thing mm -hmm. like i think that there's a scene with her as like a young mom and she plays that role so which is also james wan correct yes yeah so that makes sense yep it does indeed so but yeah i think that's the most 
interesting thing about this movie not that it's not interesting but that like really caught me off guard i was like wow because i always thought like oh what's this little british girl up to and i looked her up and i was like oh she's not british at all yeah okay what is your favorite scene in this movie because i have one that i think is just brilliant my favorite part of the entire movie and these might be weird choices i have a couple things that i thought were just super cool the first is the opening talking about amityville Love it. Uh, and i lost my shit when they recreated the famous photo of the little boy. A hundred percent. I love that so much. And I jumped out of my skin because every time I see that photo, it freaks me out so bad. It is creepy. I know it's certainly like just a kid was there when the photo was shot. Like there's pretty much everyone agrees there was nothing supernatural about that photo, but it's lingered out there in, you know, the paranormal lore. But they did that. I jumped out of my skin. It was great. And actually the opening title sequence I just thought was super cool where they do like the scrolling text and then the title, the conjuring to rolls up and it's done in a way like it's from a seventies. Like it felt like, like Texas chainsaw. Yeah. Like Texas chainsaw or following that segment about Amityville. It felt like they were trying to call back to like the original Amityville or, you know, the, the seventies exorcist Amityville, things like that. The seventies style paranormal thrillers, Mm -hmm. like the, the tone of the movie felt like that's what they were going for. I feel like they kind of lose it towards the end. Definitely in the third act, it starts feeling yeah. like you said too much like a modern blockbuster and less like the vibe they had going through the rest of the movie. So what's yours favorite? My favorite scene is when they're doing that scene with her in the chair and they like all turn away and in the background, it's oh, like out yes. of focus, but it, without cutting away, it like turns into the man Yeah, and then it turns back into the girl and it's just so cleverly done it doesn't ever feel like crazy special effects it's just so well done you're like that is a skilled filmmaker cinematographer whatever however that's done was just so well because any other movie you would have seen her literally morph into the old man and here it that's exactly what happens but it's so out of focus yep you don't even i didn't even realize it like i was just looking for it here because i knew it was happening i'm like I thought I remembered her turning into the guy and then eventually you can tell that it's him yeah, and then it, it goes back into her. So discreetly that you're like, oh, whoa, that's really cool. I also really loved the way they did the nun when she appears in their house yes. where she goes in and she's looking at the painting that Ed you know, <laughs> that drew of his vision cool and the light is off. She turns the light off and then it turns into the physical actor standing there yeah um in place of the painting but yeah and then turns the light back on real quick and it's back to just the regular painting but like the way that's done i'm like that is immensely creepy yeah and the nun is really creepy it's like i haven't even it's i can't say completely i know no one or very few people actually love the movie the nun and i tried to watch it and i was so fucking bored and it's Mm -hmm. just too bad because it just she's such a creepy character and i know that there was discussion of the crooked man having his own spinoff too and re-watching this and remembering there being that talk i'm like the crooked man's really not very exciting it's one of the most least interesting parts of this because it's so cgi based yeah. yeah it's just a cool looking creature where yeah i'm like well that's enough that's all it has to be is like and it's not uh, I, I feel like the crooked man would be rough because it's just a nursery rhyme 
And like, it's not like there's a ton of lore about it because it's just a nursery rhyme. Uh, and, and in addition to this movie, because it has nothing to do with the actual Enfield Poltergeist case. Like this was just something the writers came up with to throw right. in there. So uh, yeah, it felt like, because the, the nun on the other hand, like going with a nun character, I'm sure the movie, the nun explained why it takes that appearance. But uh, when they reveal the name Valak, uh, that is a, well, I say real, quote unquote, real demon. It comes from actual like demonology, actual occult literature. There is a Valak, which is like the prince of snakes or something like that. But there's, I was going on a deep dive into that. There's not a lot of literature about Valak, the demon, but it is coming from real folklore and real okay. uh, demon lore to use that, so. I had one legit LOL or an LLOL, if you will, in this movie. And that's when the one woman's like, and I don't know what's worse, you know, someone who's faking it or an actual demon. And, <laughs> and Lorraine Warren's like, the demons, the demons <laughs> are worse. I'm like, exactly. Yeah, that was a great moment. I loved um because I felt like that, that that's how you really should address a demon, just matter-of-factly. When Ed, it's the moment when she turns into the old man uh, and Ed's, like, interrogating her uh, or him as the old man, and it's trying to play with him with, you know, Ed, Eddie, Edward, your father called you Edward, and they're going off into that. And he's like, look, you're not a psychiatrist, and we're not here to talk about me. And I was like, that's right. I feel like you have to be upfront <laughs> with demons where you're like, look, demon, what are we doing here? Let's get down to business. And I was like, I love that made me laugh. I was like, that's amazing. Just, you know, point blank, matter of factly, just harass this demon and you know the first time i watched this and i often when i talk about this movie will say how much i hate the sequence when he sings fools fall in love or wise men what the fuck is that song called fools rush in fools rush in thank you yeah when he sings that like i've always had major issue with it because i always the first time i saw it i thought it was going to end with a scare like it would be going along and then it's just to 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 lube you up so that they can really get you at the end and then it doesn't mm -hmm. and it just felt like this music video and then i remember when we saw x i think i talked about it in that review because they do dreams in in x and it's very similar like just like a sequence where they just sing a song mm -hmm. and Whereas Dreams is one of my favorite songs, Fools Rush In is not. But this time, I didn't mind it as much. And I don't know if the setup for it felt a little better to me this time. Like, that they were like, oh, they really loved Elvis. And, you know, they don't have those records anymore. Like, I don't know. I just found it very endearing this time and sweet. And, and it didn't bother me as much. Yeah, nerding out a little bit. I think it worked because... Uh, he's trying to get the record player to work. And then he says, we're going to have music one way or another in here. Uh, and part of that is because there is lore that like demons and evil spirits hate music and hate joyful noise, especially. So I think that kind of worked into all the little tips and tricks they know about, like we're going to demystify, de-evilify this place by doing whatever we can to try and ward off the evil. So uh, okay, I, I think it works in universe too, as a fun human little moment for everybody. Yeah. But it's, I think it's a well done movie. And, you know, I think there's some really genuinely good scenes, which I truly cannot say about part three. I don't remember a single good thing about part three. Yeah, that's what so. I'm hearing. So I'm like, how can part three have gone so far off the rails? Because this movie, my only, I think my main gripe is just it felt like it was long. Because when I saw that runtime was over two hours, I'm like, yeah. that feels like a lot of time. Like, do they need all that? 
story. Um, so, yeah, because of course, you know, like you were mentioning, the real case, they, I mean, in the the real Janet like admitted to some of it being faulty, but she says like what was false, they were just like testing the whatever the demonologists or the ghost hunters to see i don't know what but like that it wasn't mm -hmm. like they were trying to fool them like to make it but it was more like testing them but she mm -hmm. said like two percent of what happened was fake or something where mm -hmm. it's like well if you're gonna tell us any of it's not fake we're gonna how can we believe that any of it was real truly yeah absolutely and i like that they go into that a little bit in the movie but like then it you they can't just have this movie end with well it's most likely that this was fake because then the that's end. very anticlimactic yeah. so we got to bring in the nun and then have this big showdown which is just not that great i do love vera formiga above everything else in this movie and i guess she and her screams are so great i guess she caused some severe damage to her oh. her voice in this from the constant screaming she did because her screams just like they they're so real and authentic as opposed to like some slasher girl screaming where it doesn't feel real like anytime she's screaming i can feel it in my soul like it just mm -hmm. feels very authentic i think she's so great to watch i know a friend who went to school with her and absolutely hates her because oh, she, i don't know if it's jealousy or what it is but she does not think highly of her and i find vera formiga captivating i love her i love her in bates motel i think she's just a phenomenal actress did you dig in were you like did she like trip you in the hallway once or something like what's the real issue <laughs> you know here? i think i did but this is a million years ago so i don't recall what her issue with her is mm. i think it's jealousy <laughs> could be i mean she is mega successful so it's, yeah yeah it's a tough road to watch uh and then the real cases i do feel like a lot of it like with the prior movie and this one, if I recall, like the Warren's involvement in real life was actually like minimal compared like a to day. The, yeah, to the other investigators. Like the um Mor Maurice Gross was the mm -hmm. name of the, the, the one investigator. He was like the main guy of the Enfield poltergeist, if I remember. Like I think he yes. was there through like the entire investigation, uh, as was the German woman that appears in the movie just for them to shit on her for being like you don't believe so you're an <laughs> asshole like i felt like that was really heavy-handed like anytime they presented somebody that's like i'm a skeptic and trying to be realistic here and they're just like skeptics are pieces of shit it felt like yeah. that's like what the point of the movie was so in there so i was like come on guys you could be a little more uh, th this one leaned a little harder into the, like the Warrens are superheroes and have <laughs> saved the day than the first one did. So I, I felt like, uh, that was a little much, but other yeah. than that, I, I generally, as elite friend of the podcast, Tess said when she was on, like, I can separate the fictionalized Warrens who I love. Cause they're just a great couple. They're like, it's some of the closest stuff to the original Ghostbusters uh because that's like my favorite stuff from like the original ghostbusters is dan Aykroyd just riffing on like this is like the uh the time rift of 1882 that happened you know and he's just throwing out all these weird bits of like paranormal lore like the these first two conjuring movies at least feel like taking those things and turning them into a whole movie like some piece of dan Aykroyd trivia from ghostbusters and like and here's the story of that thing like that's really cool so i want to see more of these i want more big budget 
based on real like paranormal cases movies i feel like there's not enough like i know it's a subgenre but like more 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 i want more i feel like it's not been tapped out enough i know and i wish they'd just do a full-on conjuring amityville movie i know they've talked about it but like uh, that would be so great that whole opening sequence i'm like why the hell have you not done a cool full-on investigate i know they did the remake with you know ryan reynolds but that was not a very good movie so bad um because it just wanted so badly to be like scary yeah (laughs) tried way too hard what tried way too hard just do something interesting about the investigation because there's so many twists and turns in the real story that you could make an awesome movie out of that yeah that would be the best and i wish that would happen please Mm -hmm. yes so out of five inverted crosses, how yeah. many do you give The Conjuring to? I give it four. Oh, well, I'm going to give it three and a half. Okay. But Pretty. it's still as a solid. Scare of approval. That's a scare of approval, my friends. It sure is, my friends. Yeah, we've done... Uh... We were pretty on on track. We've been pretty in lockstep recently. So let's see if it changes with our next flick. Okay. So moving on to my pick, which was Coraline, not Caroline, Coraline, (laughs) uh, directed by Henry Selick, of course, of Nightmare Before Christmas fame. Uh, And the tagline is, be careful what you wish for. Oh, the description is when Coraline moves to an old house, she feels bored and neglected by her parents. She finds a hidden door with a bricked up passage. During the night, she crosses the passage and finds a parallel world where everybody has buttons instead of eyes with caring parents and all her dreams coming true. The description on Letterboxd continues on, but I'm just going to say, be careful (laughs) what you wish for. So what'd you think? I... Okay, so it ended last night. I watched it with Joe. He'd never seen it before, and he wanted to watch it. So it ended, and he's like, what'd you think? And I was like, I don't know. Like, it just, I didn't know what I thought. And then he asked me what I would have rated it, and I told him. And he was like, well, that's kind of generous for not knowing exactly what you thought. Or maybe I said I thought it was okay. I don't remember. But, like, Mm -hmm. I couldn't really get out of my head, and I kept thinking about it all day today. So my opinion is definitely raised Mm. of what I thought of it. It just... It's very different. It's mm-hmm. very unique. And I really like that aspect of it. I definitely, like, I started to think about, like, well, what? Like, I was like, what was the deal with the doll? And I started, like, Googling it. And all these things they were talking about, I'm like, I missed all of that. So, like, I felt like it's definitely one of those movies that deserves a second watch to really get to the heart of who, like, those spirits of, like, the kids are and what Mm -hmm. the doll means and the grandma and all this stuff. And then I was reading, like, that the book version, which is Neil Gaiman, right? Yes, correct. Who did, like, um, the Sandman and what else? Yeah, the the Sandman for DC Comics uh, and then novels he's written. uh, Stardust, the novel, that was turned into a a movie as well. Uh, he's written American Gods, which became a right, television that... series. He wrote Good Omens, which also became a television. So he's Got very, yes. he's very present in the pop culture like sphere. And and then I was reading that things like the the grandma and her little like friend and the doll are like none of those aspects are in the book, which is so interesting because they seem so important here. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm curious, I would like to read the book and then yeah. probably watch the movie again. 
I guess my question now in regards to that tagline, it's not like she's like, I wish I had different parents. And then she found this hole. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that I like that tagline in correspondence to this film. I don't feel like she's like, if only I had another set of parents that were better. And then she finds them. That's not the case. I mean, she is a little, I'm not going to say unhappy with her parents, but there isn't this strong connection with them. Yes. And it's not like they're bad parents. It's not like they're bad people. They just don't have this sort of cohesive relationship. And then mm-hmm. she comes across this other universe, essentially. And it does seem like there she's getting the attention and parents that are into gardening and into cooking good food. And she's like this better version of what she kind of wishes was different about her parents. And I like, so spoilers, spoilers, like we always say, but I put it out there in case you don't know us at the end when it all, you know, she saves her parents, even though like they were never, were they ever really captive or whatever? You don't know. But yeah. like when she comes back to her real life, it's not like her parents have changed in this way that all of a sudden they know how to cook and they're pe- spending all this attention on her, but she sort of realizes like, Oh, it could be worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Essentially it's, she kind of learns how to make it work. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and it's like they aren't that bad. Like they, they do love her and everything. It's just kind of wishing what you want or what thinking what you want and how it could be better isn't always better because yeah. there may be like sort of caveats to to that happening or something. I don't know. It's it's like I said. It's the sort of thing I want to dig into it deeper. Mm-hmm. But I really appreciated it. It is very dark. Yes. Yeah. Watching it. And it's funny. You said uh, what you did about you didn't know how you felt about it uh, because I haven't seen this for many years. It's been probably closer to when it originally came out was because I'd seen it at least a couple times before. And the last time was, you know, over a decade ago. And I didn't feel strongly one way or the other about it like that's what I could remember was I felt pretty middle of the road like it was all right uh but watching it this time I was like really taken about uh, back by how into it I was like I felt like I was gonna be like it's an okay movie but I was like no I'm like really into this watching it this time because I think what kind of throws you off with an initial viewing is the fact that it's so deceptively like densely layered for a kid's movie like the themes that are going on in there like it's very adult in what it's trying to say about like people, uh, I think, and human nature. Because at the end, it feels like she learns that very adult lesson of like, really, sometimes you have to meet people halfway and it's about reconnecting, you know, and it's not just uh, fun and great all the time in any relationship with your parents, with anybody. And sometimes you have to do some work to make it work and reconnect. So uh, yeah, I feel like it's pretty grown up for what's ostensibly a children's movie. It is. And I think that that's, but it's, it's like, there's the cat, there's the funny characters. Mm -hmm. It is just beautiful to look at. Like the animation is just fantastic. I mean, very much like a nightmare before Christmas, which that's Mm -hmm. the one thing I could say that's great about that movie is the, the animation, like the same holds true here. 
I would have never been able to, and I, I love me some Dakota Fanning. I wouldn't have been able to say that's Dakota Fanning. It's yeah. weird because Terry Hatcher, a hundred percent, I could have picked her out in yep. a line had I like her voice, even if I wouldn't have known that she was in it. Like she's very apparent. Even mm-hmm. Jennifer Saunders and Don French, like I'm like, which one of these women is Jennifer Saunders? Like I know and love her and mm-hmm. I couldn't fully tell at first like which one of the so it's interesting how some of the voices i knew who they were playing but i wouldn't have been able to figure that out on my own mm-hmm. but like joe, joe said when we finished he's like wow who would have thought i'd say terry hatcher was good in something because normally we kind of find her not to be a trash person but kind of um but she's so good in this mm-hmm. <laughs> she's so good so it's interesting because i just really didn't put together some of the doll stuff and especially with the grandma like and you don't meet her until the very, very end, right? That's yeah. the first time we see her when she's coming over with yep. her grandson. She's she's just a like non-presence through most of it, just mentioned by people. Because I just couldn't get out of my head today. I'm like, how did she end up with the doll? Because the son, the grandson, what's what's his name? Uh, YB. YB. It's, he's like, oh, I have to get that doll back. My grandma wants, it. and I'm like, I was like so confused about how that all went down. And when I looked it up, there's some theories and whatnot, but it's not explicitly stated in the mm-hmm. movie. Am I correct? You are. Yeah, I believe you are correct. They're leaving some ideas, some interpretation to the viewer, which is very cool. Like how often do you get that, especially in a kid's movie? Yeah, absolutely. Cause I kind of was following along the plot line that her sister went missing the grandma's many years ago. Cause her sister went to that other world and never came back. Like she fell prey to, the trap i'm assuming and so that's you know what happened there and that doll must have been it's like a it's like a hook to get you into that other world i think it floats around out there um because like you're saying she didn't exactly wish that she had better parents but she discovered they moved into like i guess what is essentially a haunted house it's got this portal to this other world that is somewhat predatory i think it Mm -hmm. knew that what she was lacking or wish she had which was parents that were absolutely just devoted to her that's what she thought she wanted so that's what they give her to get her in there and trap her and feed on her and whatever you know yeah i like that she's a bit of a flawed character Coraline, which Mm -hmm. the best characters are yeah like she's not just like this sweet little girl like she she has her flaws she's not exactly nice to yb yb why do i keep thinking i'm not saying it right yeah yb she's not exactly nice to him she's kind of a little jerk sometimes and she's just like i just like that she herself is a little layered and like you said like she she's not it's not like she is like i wish i had better parents but like it's it's complicated (laughs) hashtag Mm -hmm. it's complicated and and it just it is very interesting and I, i i just find it fascinating and i'm i'm excited to watch it again yeah it um this time around too i really felt like i connected with the character of Coraline too, because I was a little weird kid too that lived in my imagination and it felt very real spending her time, you know, running around on her own with just her ideas where it's like, yeah, you know, I I did a lot of that riding my bike around neighborhoods thinking there was something strange and otherworldly out there just like around the corner like I was going to go down to the you know the local creek and find some kind of monster or something like that so I really connected with the vibe that 
this time around at the movie. It took me back. It took me back. The nostalgia of my childhood really washed over me this time. So, And I like that she's from Michigan. She's from Pontiac. Yeah, she's from Pontiac. The Detroit Zoo comes up, which if you're not from around here, the Detroit Zoo is located five minutes from me in Royal mm-hmm. Oak, Michigan. And it's, it, I haven't been there in a million years, but apparently it's a good zoo from what they yeah. say. And Pontiac's just a little ways North of us. Both, yep. So, and, uh, and at the end, the dad was wearing a Michigan state sweater. Yep. So, you know, very Michigan. And Joe at one point, cause when they drop the dad off, the mom's like, he's drunk or something like, so the dad's like an alcoholic, right? Or at yes. least maybe not an alcoholic, but he was drunk at one point, which also in a kid's movie is a weird thing to like bring up. Yeah. Yeah. Some re- they throw some realness at you. Sometimes your parents <laughs> are drunk and it's just <laughs> deal with it. And I liked that it. It's sort of set up in that way where she keeps going into the portal like at night and then waking up in her own bed in like the real world. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, what's going on here? And then it's sort of. She goes during the daytime and then she's like kind of stuck in it. Yeah. There's where the rules start to change a little. Yeah. So I thought that was cool too, where it, yeah, it feels like, oh, is it a dream world sort of thing? But yeah, when she goes in the daytime, then it's like, oh, you change the rules. It's become a different thing now. So. And the other mother really does become quite frightening with her creepy fingers. And she oh, kind yeah. of is like a spider and kind of like Edward mm-hmm. Scissorhands and Freddy Krueger all rolled into one. She's very eerie and scary looking. Yeah, because in general, you wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, this is a horror movie. Uh, but the vibe is definitely adjacent enough because I could I can see this movie very neatly fitting into like your Halloween time, like marathons. You could pop this in there uh, and the vibe is perfect for uh, that sort of thing. Uh, I thought the moment where she goes to the theater uh, in the other world and it's full of all the dogs. Yeah, it's a very like very surreal moment, actually, where she's just like, oh, cute. Look at all these dogs. But I'm like, I would be freaked out. Like, that's weird. And the old ladies like unzip. And yeah, and they become like their younger selves. Yeah, like was, <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, it definitely has a very creepy vibe. And I wonder if she has blue hair in the book because I love that she has blue hair. Yeah, I really, not, really want to read the book. So I don't know if the book because ha- the book, from what I know, is like a young adult, you know, reader. Uh, for lack of a better phrase, like it's aimed at younger readers. Um, I don't know if it's illustrated. It might be. So maybe there's some illustrations they drew on from. But if she has blue hair, I imagine they talk about it. Like Coraline walking through the town with the blue hair. And Neil Gaiman is British, right? Yes. So I imagine they probably Americanized this. They might have. I don't know, though, because he's he's lived in America for some time, I believe. So he, he may have. He's written about America, like American gods, of course. So I think he knows enough. And now that I think about it, the book American Gods mentions Michigan a bunch too. Interesting. So I, I feel like he's got like a Michigan fascination because I'm not sure he like ever lived here or spent time here, but it seems like he's got a Michigan fascination. Let's get him on the pod. Yeah, let's get him. Let's call up Neil Gaiman. It's not like he's <laughs> he's not busy managing the media empire that his work has spawned. <laughs> and the music is so cool. Yeah, yeah, no. The music it, is so good. It's not like super weird. It's kind of pretty and unusual, but not like, oh, this is like dissonant and gross. Like it's just it's very cool. Yeah. There's like some um, choral stuff and it's just it's really neat. I really liked the music a lot. 
Yeah, I got to dive into that more because some of it sounded like, I feel like I know this singer, like the singing voices sounded familiar, but I wasn't immediately uh, catching, you know, who who was uh, involved in making that. So, yeah, but unlike A Nightmare Before Christmas, I thought the storytelling was really complex and layered, whereas I felt The Nightmare Before Christmas was a little like, this feels like an outline and wasn't fully fleshed out and isn't making sense. Whereas here I'm like, okay, this is all like, there's so much going on here that I need to dig into it as opposed to feeling real bare bonesy and sort of lackluster. Like I did Nightmare Before Christmas. It does kind of feel like to Henry Selleck, the director, when you look at his, um, uh, I don't know what other movies he's done besides his like stop animation work like this, his animated work. Uh, but yeah, if, if you watch like Nightmare Before Christmas, then the next thing he did was James and the Giant Peach. Uh, Which and I then do want to see. Then he does this. So it, you kind of feel the building of his like ability to tell a increasingly complex narrative in this animation style is kind of fascinating. Um, and I haven't seen James and the Giant Peach in a long time and I remembered loving it as a kid. So maybe... <laughs> we visit that at some point so and i read somewhere online when i was looking up some of the the stuff about the doll that they they built like 135 sets or something mm. for this movie like i would love to see pictures of like the sets they built for it yeah i want to see yeah the workshop show me where you guys yes. were working i want to see everything because i'm sure yes. it just looks incredible probably and mind-boggling yeah, and the cat was so cool. I loved the cat. Yeah, and it was uh, Keith David was the voice, um, you know, for, of course, for us horror nerds. He was uh, opposite Kurt Russell in The Thing, John say, Carpenter's okay. The Thing. So, that's you fun. know, he's a legendary character actor. You know him. You know that voice. You know him if you see him. So. You know him. You love him. He's you know Keith him. David. You love him. He's Keith David. <laughs> But yes, a lot of fun. I highly recommend everyone go and check it out. Yeah, definitely. I think this is, uh, this was always one, like I said, like for years I spent like, it was an okay movie. I don't think I'd throw it at the top of any list, but now I've totally changed my mind. Like I had an amazing time watching this again. So now I'm like, must see. So out of uh, five magical cats that can just come and go from any dimension, how many do you give it? I'm going to give it four. Ooh, I'm gonna go four and a half. Ooh, so wow. another scare of approval. Another scare of approval. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, it, it, it's funny too that you wouldn't think a movie like this uh, would be one that sticks with you, but it does feel like as we talk about one of those stuck in my brain now for a while. I think it's gonna live there for a minute. Yeah, um, and also just the phrase "I'm your other mother," like. <laughs> brilliant like other mother what an incredible just seemingly innocuous phrase to build a character out of it's it's awesome and how creepy the buttons for eyes just so creepy yeah yeah it really works but yeah yeah, this is this is check it out people i think um if you've written this off like it's a kid's movie like i think it's pleasantly oh yeah creepy spooky enough for i'd say it's more adult than kid for sure yeah for all you horror maniacs i think if you have the right appreciation this is a perfect watch so all you little maniacs all you little maniacs we haven't said that in a long time you that's Uh, what you said the last time i did now we're bringing it back (laughs) now we've said it a couple times so it's back now little maniacs check it out (laughs) well awesome well two good movies both with little little girl creepy little girls 
Maybe yeah. they're not creepy, but they're little girls. Enough. One of them was possessed. Dealing That's with some enough. some paranormal oddness, oddities yeah. in the world. Was I, it real? I, was it not? Those are questions that are covered in both. Watching The Conjuring 2, uh, I, I just remembered because I wanted to say this. Uh, when I was in college, so and I went to Grand Valley, if anybody's wondering, Grand Valley State University near Grand Rapids, Michigan. They... It was around Halloween time and it was something they put on, you know, like campus events, campus life for kids, you know, the, the kids there at school. Uh, it was around Halloween time and they had a seminar one night or like a presentation, whatever you want to call it. It was a lecture from an actual paranormal investigator uh, that came in and like it, it was like probably one of the coolest freaking things I'd ever been involved with <laughs> throughout my college years. But like he went to the Amityville house. He had like uh stuff he he pretty much told us he's like it's fake it's all that was all fake but he had some other like compelling stuff and uh uh watching the conjuring too really like took me back to that where i'm like that guy had like all these cool little stories and creepy photos and recordings from other investigations so Fun, like, no. start turning all those into movies i wish i remembered the guy i bet you i've seen him probably again on tv as a talking head on those like paranormal shows but probably uh, he was very fascinating but what they need to do is a movie about like civil war, like battlefield ghosts. No, uh, cause that was a big one that it's creepy, man. That was a big one that he uh, investigated was like at Gettysburg, which is supposed to be the most haunted place oh. uh, in America. And okay. had all these weird photos and recordings from that. So apparently, you know, you got to go to places of great human suffering, they say, and that's where you're going to find uh, legitimate hauntings. It seems so. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, it makes, yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Scaring is sharing at gmail.com. Write us, tell us which of the um, Henry Selleck films are your favorite. Henry yeah. Selleck, is that right? Henry Selleck. Henry Selleck. I mean, I'm not even sure I've ever heard it out loud, but that's what it looks like when I read it. So that's <laughs> what I'm going to say. Yeah, which ones do you like? Uh, the Conjuring movies, how do you feel about them? I feel like- Do you I hate just... part three as much as I do? I saw on Letterboxd quite a few positive reviews, though. So apparently it's... I mean, Tess likes it. I guess it's a divisive movie. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch it someday. But write us, talk to us, buy our merch, go to our link tree on our Instagram. Yeah, if you really um, want to rep us. And thanks to those that have uh, sent us messages saying that you're you're buying our shit. We like it. We love it. it. We love it. We love you. We love you. Advertise for us. We'll we'll take it. (laughs) We'll take it. <laughs> and, you know, just you know, listening is enough. So thank you so, so much. Yeah. And, Jeremy, uh, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> the real maestro of this whole thing. And yes, keep, um, you know, talking about scary movies, watching those scary movies and, and talking about them with everybody because. Scaring. Is sharing. <laughs> <laughs> and hail Paymon. <laughs> Uh, and I'm bringing it back. Death to Videodrome. Long live the new flesh. Bye. Scaring is sharing. 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 This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.